Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. I'd like to welcome all those in our South Campus. I'd like to welcome those watching online and, of course, those watching on demand. So glad that you're here today. What a great day to be at the Creek, to see over 20 people uh, go forward in, in their faith through the waters of baptism. I'll tell you, that's really what we live for here at Stevens Creek. Uh, we live for people's lives who have been changed, and so many of us here uh, know what it means to feel like that, to feel like the weight has been lifted, your lives have been changed by the grace and the power of Jesus Christ, and it's a great day to be a creaker. Amen? Well, you know, it's also a great week to start. This is a Thanksgiving week, and, and I'll tell you, it's, it's something about Thanksgiving that brings uh, friends and family members together for uh, oftentimes around a meal. So how many of you, when you're thinking about Thursday, thinking about your Thanksgiving uh, meal, and, and those in our South Campus too, how many of you are going out to eat on Thursday? Anybody in the house going out to eat? Oh, yeah, got a few. How many of you are preparing or cooking this Thanksgiving? Anybody cooking in the house? Okay. Got a few folks that are cooking in the house. Good to know that. You know, cooking Thanksgiving meal can be very, very stressful. I mean, it can be very stressful. Did you, did you hear about the woman who had invited her in-laws over for Thanksgiving meal? And, but she had one problem. She had a parrot that was a pet, and that parrot started cussing like a sailor. And so what she, was, she was concerned that the, uh, it would influence her in-laws and so forth. So she started working with the parrot to, so that he wouldn't cuss so much and finally got it working. He calmed down. But on Thanksgiving Eve, I'm telling you, he started cussing up a storm. She was so frustrated that she grabbed him out of the cage. She, she tossed him into the refrigerator and said, until you... Uh, stop that cussing and cool down. You're going to stay in there. And she shut the door, and he's in there shivering and everything else and looked over and sees the Thanksgiving turkey with his skin up, with his, his legs straight up. And he said, good heavens, man, what did you say to her? <laughs> well, happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'll tell you, today we're continuing our series called Think Like Jesus we have been exploring what the Bible says about wisdom. You know, the word wisdom doesn't mean education, and wisdom really doesn't even mean intelligence. Uh, wisdom, the Bible shows us uh, that wisdom is something, it's a gift from the Lord, it's inside, it's discernment. And the Bible shows us that a person can be an intelligent fool, or a person on the other hand, can be an uneducated person that has great wisdom. Wisdom is God-given. It's a God-given help on how to discern that will help you discern to consistently make the right choices and good decisions along the way. I believe that wisdom can change your life. I believe that wisdom will change your legacy. Our theme verse for this comes from the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 35. 
It says, for whoever finds wisdom finds life and receives the favor from the Lord. For whoever finds wisdom finds life and receives favor from the Lord. God wants you to find wisdom. We don't find wisdom just by being lucky or stumbling onto it. We don't find wisdom by being born in the right family or having all the right opportunities in life. No, the Bible teaches us that wisdom is available to everyone who will seek it. If you want to be a wise person, you can be a wise person. You've got to just seek it out. You've got to seek wisdom. We, we uh, acquire wisdom by studying the scriptures and obeying what it says. When we seek to think like Jesus and to be more like Jesus, wisdom is that gift that God gives you and gladly gives us. So today as we approach Thanksgiving week, as we think about Thanksgiving, we're going to explore the, the wisdom of being a person that has gratitude and thankfulness. You know, being thankful is one of the wisest things that you can do. As we open up the Bible today, I want to talk to you about a story from the Gospel of Luke. The first few weeks we've been uh, focused on the book of Proverbs as we studied wisdom. And what the interesting thing is, is that when Jesus was growing up, he studied in the synagogue, they would take uh, the wisdom literature from the Proverbs, and Jesus himself would study the book of Proverbs and the entire Old Testament. And so as we talk about gratitude today, I want to share a powerful story from the life of Jesus as he gives us a profound um, lesson on the wisdom of gratitude and the foolishness of not showing gratitude. The story is found in Luke chapter 11. Um, this story takes place while Jesus is traveling on the border between Samaria and Galilee. And in those days, it was rare for a Jewish person to step foot in Samaria. There'd been this long and this steady uh, feud between the two nations that produced a lot of tension along the way. Now, as Jesus was going through the village, he saw 10 men with leprosy. He saw 10 men with the leprosy. They were standing huddled together outside the entrance of the city. Now, leprosy in those days was a dreaded, dreaded disease. It was a, dis it was a skin disorder that caused permanent damage to the skin, to the nerves, possibly to the limbs, or maybe even to your eyes. Today, we call it Hansen's disease. Now, people who had leprosy in those days were required to keep their distance from the normal population. Leprosy was considered very contagious, so they were required to live apart from their families, the people that loved him. They were sentenced to a leper's colony or a camp outside of the city. So the people that were stricken with this disease not only suffered physically, but they suffered emotionally because they could not be with the family members that they loved. And so it was, it was a challenging, um, it was a challenging disease. In this story, there were 10 men with leprosy standing together. And when they saw Jesus, they cried out to him. These guys were desperate. They were longing for help and they cried out to Jesus. We pick up the story. That's the background. We pick up the story in Luke chapter 
17, and we're going to begin reading with verses 11 through 19. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, and they called with a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed, they were healed. Verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not 10 people cleansed? Where? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to them, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Notice that these ten lepers were standing outside of the city. They were huddled together as a uh, group of hopeless individuals. And that's why they were crying out. They were looking for help. And Jesus responded to their cries. But his response is different from what you and I would think about it. Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. Now, he was using this as a test. Were they willing to obey what Jesus directed them to do? Jesus sent them to the priest because it was the priest's responsibility to protect the larger community from a contagious disease. And it was the priest's responsibility to to determine whether this person or that person was healed or not. So Jesus respected the process. And in this story, he was giving the priest an opportunity to be a part of a miracle that God was doing. Look at the rest of the verse, verse 14. When he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And notice this, as they went, they were cleansed. As they went. These 10 lepers had to do something for their situation to change. Just let that settle in. Just think about that. These 10 lepers had to do something for their situation to change. They had to go show themselves to, their, their, um, themselves to the priest. And it was in their going, it was in their doing that they found help. It was in their going that they found healing. They demonstrated their faith in Jesus by doing what Jesus told them to do. You see, faith is not only believing, faith is doing. Faith begins when you take your next step. I mean, this is what James chapter 2 and verse 17 says. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, it's dead. Jesus was, telling, was calling these 10 lepers to take action, to do something. Oftentimes in our lives, Jesus will prompt us to do something. How many times have you heard me say over the uh, years... I want you to do the possible. 
I want you to do what you can do. But then we're going to trust God to do what you can't do. We're going to trust God to do the impossible. And so in this story, this is an example of that. As they went, as they did something, the miracle happened. They stepped out in faith. These ten lepers obeyed, and in doing so, they were healed. But look what happened. Verse 15, now one of them, when he saw that he was healed, that one came back. He came back praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet. He thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. One of the ten made the effort. One of the ten came back to express the appreciation for the miracle of life and the miracle of healing that Jesus had provided for him. Now, we read this story, and most of us kind of read it in disbelief and say, why only one? You mean only one said thank you? I mean, their lives were changed. They would no longer have to live outside the city. They would no longer have to live with a group of strangers or fellow sufferers. They would get to go home to their family. And now they get to do that. They don't have to be alienated anymore. This was life-changing. All 10 received it. Only one came back to say thank you. Now, there's an added twist in the story. And oftentimes in reading uh, the parables of Jesus, you can read through that and get the highlights, and I do this often. And if you read through it quickly, you may miss just a word or two that adds a little um, dimension to the story. And in this verse, the word or two that added dimension to the story was, and he was a Samaritan. And he was a Samaritan. The Samaritans were hated among the Jews. It's hard for us really to imagine the contempt that the Jews had for Samaritans in the first century. Seldom in the history of the world has there been such hatred between two groups of people. For 450 years, these two groups of people had hated each other. Samaritans, the Jews considered them as only half-Jews, half-breeds. And the Jews says, we are the pure ones. And just that, uh, those words caused uh, anger to stir up between the two for 450 years. It's interesting that the hated Samaritan was the very one that came back to Jesus to say thank you. And Jesus said, didn't I heal all ten? Weren't all ten cleansed? Where? Where are the other nine? I think most of us, if we are seeing this story for the first time, or maybe you've read this before, maybe you've learned it in church earlier on, you start to think, how can these people be so insensitive? How can these guys be so ungrateful? This message is really speaking not only a historical message, but this is also speaking a contemporary message. Oh, we don't deal with leprosy too much in this world anymore because of modern medicine. 
But what you'll see oftentimes in the Old Testament scriptures, they will use types or shadows uh, that will mean something um, in the, when Jesus would come. And so they're talking about this, maybe leprosy, and they're talking about it hundreds or even thousands of years before Jesus had this, uh, this encounter with these lepers. But they would use that leprosy as a type or a foreshadowing of sin. And so what, when we read that story and we put ourselves into the story, we see leprosy as a type of spiritual sin. And so these ten men, they were forgiven of their spiritual sin. They were healed of their leprosy. They were saved from their condition. And we read that and we see that we have been saved from our spiritual condition, our spiritual sin. We, like the lepers, have cried out, Jesus, save me. Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus, pity me. And Jesus, what we see is that Jesus came to bring salvation. He came to bring healing from this dreaded, sinful disease. He died on the cross, and he rose on the third grave so that we could be forgiven. Do you know that the original word for salvation and healing come from the same word, sozo? It's the same word. So when Jesus died on the cross, and uh, he paid for our healing, and he paid for our forgiveness. Back to this story. We see we can be healed today. We can be forgiven today, but only one out of the 10 came back to say thank you. 10 were healed, only one returned. And I think it's only appropriate today that we're reminded of this story because we are moving into Thanksgiving week. And this is such an appropriate time for us to pause to say thank you to God and to others who've helped us along the way. But it's also a time for us to, I really feel like, to incorporate an, a heart of thanksgiving in every day and every week, but specifically this week. So how do you do that? What are some very practical ways where we can say thank you? There are four simple ways. The first one is, just like I just said, to say it, to speak it. When was the last time that you actually said thank you to the Lord? God has done wonders in your life. Do you know, even if you are a believer or a non-believer, God's grace has been shed on you. I believe that we live uh, under the favor of the Lord as Americans God's grace has been shed on this country. And the very reason that we're celebrating Thanksgiving this week is because of a group of pilgrims set aside this day to give thanks to the Lord for their safe passage and to give thanks to the Lord for, for this country that they were starting. A country where they could worship in freedom. A country where they could honor the Lord And they've made it a, a common practice, an annual practice, so that they are uh, reminded to say thank you for God. So there are times that we need just to speak it. I mean, as some of you, I know you feel deep appreciation down inside. 
You appreciate the Lord for what he's done for you. You appreciate your family. You appreciate your, chi- your children, maybe your parents, your friends, your coworkers. You have this sense of appreciation. But there comes a point where we say that we take what we're feeling on the inside and we speak it out. First Chronicles chapter 16 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good and his love endures forever. But David takes it one step further, and he makes it very personal. In Psalm chapter 7, he said, I will give thanks. David said, I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness, and I'm going to sing praise to his name, the name of the Lord Most High. When is the last time that you physically said, verbally said, thank you, God? When's the last time that that you would burst forth in singing and you would sing praise to his name? You know, so many times we tend to uh, take things for granted. I believe if we can start to speak things out, speak thanks out, then our heart will grow and expand in love. I said there's four things. Here's the second one. I think another way to very practically to incorporate thanksgiving in your life to say thanks, is that you do it by writing it. You know, when I was growing up, my parents always insisted that I would send a thank you note to people who gave me gifts. And we tried to teach our kids the same thing. You probably try to teach your kids the same thing, to, uh, to actually take out a card and to write it. Have you written a card recently? I wrote a card a few weeks ago, and I thought, man, when's the last time that I've written something this much? Because in our world, uh, we use a, uh, a pen and paper a lot less than we used to. Everything now is, is through text messages. But there's something about writing a handwritten note to someone to say thank you. Have you ever written a handwritten note to God? In the spiritual world, that's called journaling. It's the practice or the spiritual discipline of writing out your prayers to God. Now, this is especially important if you've ever had this desire to pray, and you go to pray, and it seems like your mind is racing everywhere. And that as soon as you start praying, you start that grocery list, and you start all those things that you've got to do, and that's just a natural thing. Journaling helps you to focus those words as you write them out. It may only need to be a paragraph or more. But, I mean, just start somewhere that you write it down and you just write a thank you note to God. And this is a way that you can expand your prayer life. I think the third thing is that we not only write it, but we show it. We show our appreciation. To show means to, to exhibit it, to, to display it, to and make it known. God has given you special talents and abilities, and he's given you spiritual gifts. When we use those gifts to honor him, that is making it known. That is showing our appreciation and our thankfulness for what God has done in our lives. That when we roll up our sleeves and we serve someone, we become the hands of Jesus to that person. When we speak life to to someone, we become the voice of the Lord to that person. We show it. We have been blessed 
so that we can be a blessing to other people. How do you show it? You can show your appreciation in tangible ways by giving to the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything that you produce. That we want to honor God. All throughout the Bible, you'll see examples of how people would express their appreciation for what God has done in their lives by bringing an offering to him. By bringing an offering to say thank you. In addition to the tithes that we receive on a, a regular basis, every year we set aside the Christmas season, specifically Christmas Eve offering, to bring that offering. To say, in a tangible way, God, we thank you for your blessings on our lives and on our family throughout the year. And, and this year, we want to bring our best gift to you. Now, as a church, we receive that Christmas offering that you so generously bring, and we use that to strengthen the resources of the church so that we can, so that we can continue the work that we're doing through our Dream Center. I'll tell you, the Dream Center last year uh, reached over 20,000 under-resourced people in our community with food and with clothing. I think about the Dream Center. Uh, so many of you have responded to the Angel Tree. And as JT said, that there are over 700 children that we're sponsoring um, this Christmas through the Dream Center, through the Angel Tree. I think about teddy gram boxes. You heard that word possibly during the announcement, but do you know what a teddy gram box is? It is a box of supplies that we put together so uh, to be given to families who are in the hospital over the holiday season. We've named it in honor of Wes and Kelly's son, Graham. You know, those people oftentimes are in the hospital with their kids at the Children's Medical Center, and they never imagined that they would be there. You know, we have had creakers to say, yeah, we gave to the uh, Teddy Graham box last year, never knowing that we would be the recipients of one this year. It's just little things like that that we use through the Christmas season, but this year we're going to expand our local missions as we give to strengthen the resources of the church so that we can open a new campus in Grovetown. Because you see, we believe that God has called us to be a light in this community. We believe that, that there are people in Grovetown, it's growing so fast, that are far from God. And we want to be that place where the lost can be found and the broken can be healed. But I'll tell you, this step of faith is, is, an, uh, is truly a step of faith and, and it's an expensive endeavor. The property cost a little bit more than $3 million. And then the renovation is north of 600000 At least I hope that's all it is. You know, you, you watch these HGTV shows and all of a sudden, dun, dun, dun. We found this problem over here. And then all of a sudden that, that price went up. Well, yeah, that stuff happens, doesn't it? But our target is, oh, let's don't go over 600000 in the renovations, carpet and 
and so forth, and some walls moving up and so forth. But we're looking at this Christmas offering as a way that we can strengthen the church so that we can be a light uh, for, inner, um, for, for missions in this city. We want to show our appreciation. In Exodus chapter 25, the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You're to receive the offering from me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. That's a key verse in this whole Christmas Eve approach. Whose heart prompts them to give. We just simply ask you to ask God what he wants you to give. You just ask, we're not asking you for money. I'm asking you to ask God. And then if God prompts you, then uh, bring that. We, we focus on bringing our best gift to the Lord at Christmas time on our, in our Christmas Eve services. You're such a generous church, and you have proven that, and you have shown that to this community and around the world. And so you're models of generosity. And I'll tell you, it is amazing for me to see what you have accomplished and what you're going to accomplish in the days and and months ahead. Here's the fourth and final one. How do you say thank you? I think you live it out. You live a life of thankfulness. You understand that God has graciously poured out his blessings on all of us, and we live in a way that we live out a, a sincere appreciation. God, thank you for your blessings. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, Always be joyful, never stop praying. Whatever happens, give thanks because it's God's will in Christ that you do this. Now, it's God's will that you give thanks. Everything that happens in your life is not God's will. There are bad things that happen to you and to me. Because we have an enemy, Satan, the devil, a spirit of evil that wars against us. There's a spiritual conflict. There's a spiritual battle. Just turn on your television set this week and you will see examples of spiritual warfare. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. That's the Bible. And so we see examples of that. Everything that happens to us is not God's will. But when that happens to us, We give thanks because we know that God is going to take care of us. We know that this difficult season we may be in, that this is a season that we're going through, that we're going to get through this. And so we make it a point to give thanks in the midst of it all. Colossians 3 and 17 says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God. Today, we're going to do that. We're going to give thanks. And we're going to be very intentional as we close out in prayer. We're going to be very intentional to just pause and say, God, thank you. Thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you that you have forgiven me of my sins. Thank you, God, for the family that you have given me. Thank you, God, for the friends. Thank you, God, for this church family. Thank you for your provision that we're going to be intentional and we're going to thank God for that. And we're going to thank God for the cross. 
Because it's the cross is the very thing that brings us all together. The cross is the very reason that over 20 people will be baptized today at Stevens Creek Church. The cross. Jesus died on the cross. He paid the penalty of your sin and my sin. Throughout history, Christians have gathered on a regular basis to remember the cross, to remember his sacrifice, and to offer thanks through communion, through Holy Communion. There's a communion cup in the seat rack right in front of you. In our South Campus, look at the seat rack right in front of you. If you're on the front row, you can look. Uh, there should be a communion cup on the front row waiting for you. A communion cup looks like this. It's a small plastic cup with uh, bread and uh, juice in it. There are two parts of it. You'll uh, Very practically, you'll pull the first piece off and take the bread out, and then you'll pull the second plastic lid and open it up. And sometimes it can be a little tricky. And I want, as you do that here, I just want you to hold it for a moment. And I want to talk you through this and tell you what really it means. Because there are many of you that this is so different for you. And, and I want to give you the why behind what's, what we're going to do here. When Jesus met with his disciples right before he was arrested and, and crucified on the cross, he broke bread with them and he took the cup with them. And he said, you know, in the days ahead, when you gather together, I want you to take the bread and the cup and remember this night. I want you to remember my sacrifice. And so for hundreds, even thousands of years, Christians have gathered together in services like this to do that. Now, the Apostle Paul gives us some further instructions. He said, when you gather together to receive this communion, don't do it with a casual attitude or a flippant attitude, but do it reverently. That this is unique. This is special. And he said, even to the point where you take a moment to have reflection and you, if there's something between you and God that you take this time to make things right with the Lord. He actually uses these words, I want you to examine yourself. So today, I want you to bow your heads and take a, a minute and to examine yourself. And I want us to make things right between the Lord and you. Let's pray. Father, we bow our heads and close our eyes in this service. And today we say thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you, God, for our church. We thank you for our family. God, we thank you for the United States of America. 
I thank you so much, God, for your salvation that you've provided, that you've saved us. And today, Lord, we pause in this service and we remember what you've done, that you, we remember your sacrifice. So, Lord, I ask that you be very present as we receive communion. We lift up this bread and together we break this bread. And, Father, this bread represents your body that was placed on a cross. And today we remember the cross and we ask that you would bless this bread as we eat it together. Now, Father, we lift up this cup and we understand that this cup represents the blood that was spilled from the cross. And we know that the blood washes away every stain of sin. So we thank you for the blood. We thank you for your sacrifice. And we remember that. And God, as we take this cup, we ask that you would bless it in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.